0: Eastern Easter religion. religion. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the House of Bliss podcast, your favorite show you've never heard of and the Internet's best kept secret. It's a beautiful fall day here. Oh, um, hey, hold on a sec. I just got to go take care of something real quick. Well, I told you nasty farmers to stay off my plate Okay, I am back. My apologies, we have a slight uh, raccoon problem. I'm a little embarrassed, but uh, let's just get through these commercials quickly so we can jump right into the good stuff before anything tries to come back, huh? Anyway, I I have uh, three events coming up in October with my good friend, Matt Spinks. We are doing back-to-back weekends of ministry together. We're calling it Joy Transformation Weekends. And uh, the first will be October 2nd through 4th in Cleveland, Ohio. The second will be October 9th through 11th in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And at the end of the month, I'm leading worship for a national gathering of grace and glory friends called Kainos Koinonia. The registration is limited on that event, so if you want all of the juicy details for each of these events, just check out the show notes of this episode. And lastly, if you would like to support this show financially, it has never been easier because of Patreon. All you've got to do is head to the episode description, go to the link that says Patreon, follow the instructions on the page, and BAM! You will have access to all kinds of bonus patrons-only content, things like testimonies, writings, extra episodes, and perhaps even the occasional recipe. All right, so uh, let's take a quick break. I'm going to wash these interstellar raccoon alien guts off of myself, and uh, then we'll dive into today's episode. Welcome back everyone. I want to talk to you today about abiding in peace through Christian meditation. But before I do that, I want to let you in on my journey. Have you ever felt like everything is on fire? I don't mean like I mean like that nagging subconscious feeling like everything is falling apart at the seams. I'm not just talking about things that may be going bad in your life, although that can definitely happen, but what I'm talking about is that sort of collective anxiety that so many of us have felt about the state of the world. That nagging, worrisome feeling is something that has persistently tried to worm its way into my life for so many years. On the one hand, I am what some would call an empath, or or if you're a charismatic, a feeler, meaning that the main way that I understand and interact with the invisible realm of the spirit is through my feelings. It means if I'm not proactive about managing my emotions, I am easily swept away by anxiety. But on top of that, I have a beautiful, wonderful little family to take care of. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love being a dad. It is the greatest honor that I've ever known. But for someone as deeply introverted as me, it can definitely be challenging. There's a there's a famous Jim Gaffigan bit where he says, People ask me all the time, what's it like to have five kids? Well, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. (laughs) Now, I only have two kids, but still, it has been a major adjustment. Like when Katie first met me, I was spending a minimum of three hours a day praying and worshiping. But slowly, as we got married, had kids, bought a house, took on multiple jobs and responsibilities, that became a little bit harder to manage. But thankfully, our good Lord has been so gracious to teach me about abiding in his peace. And so the last several years have been something of a journey for me of learning to find him in the still small moments of everyday life. I've been learning how to commune with him at all times, during all activities, not just when I'm in the prayer room. Because although I am still a huge believer in the necessity of taking intentional time to spend alone with God, I also realize that if God is truly inside of us, if we are really one spirit with God, as it says in First Corinthians, then there is no such thing as God time. Because all of the time is God time. And so one of the most helpful things that I've learned on this journey is that there are different modes of knowing God. Now, I, I would hesitate to use the word levels because that makes it sound like there's a ladder to climb. Union with God is a gift. There, there is no climbing in Christ. But what I mean by that is there are different senses in which we can experience God. Modern, Western Christianity tends to overemphasize the intellectual, cerebral side of knowing God. Like, if you were to ask the average churchgoer to define prayer, they would probably say something like, well, it's, it's just talking to God. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And although uh, it might be hard for some of the big talkers out there to believe this, it is not actually possible to continuously pray in this way. Conversation is a beautiful way to pray, but it's limited to the scope of our understanding. Communicating with God through our understanding is beautiful and it is necessary, but there are many modes of fellowshipping with God. Soaking in his presence is one of them. Reading the Bible is another. Talking to God as a friend is another. Um, but what I want to talk to you about today Is a way of experiencing God that is so intuitive, so effortless, so easy, that it actually defies the understanding. It goes beyond what you can actually put into language. It reaches far below the surface level of conscious thought, deep down into the realm of feelings and intuition, the guts, the innermost being. When we learn to experience and communicate with God in that place, well, then it frees us up to live our lives in fellowship with God, even with all the busy activity or or even in the face of national turmoil. And so what I want to pass along to you today is an ancient Christian meditation prayer. Now, I learned it last year from a Nigerian speaker named Dr. Adonijah O. Ogbenaya. And uh, it has helped me tremendously in my quest to live a life conscious of God's presence. It's become a really beautiful and helpful habit in my life. And and my hope is that if I pass this along, that it might do the same for you. Before I start talking about this, some of you might be asking, um, do we really need set prayers and techniques to experience God? And to that, I would say, well, maybe you don't. But I do. God, let's just say that God has gifted me with a brain that functions like a family of squirrels nesting near the runoff of a coffee factory. I know that God is in me and I am in God and that he's already here. I know. I know. But for me, it's so incredibly easy to lose focus and let my wandering mind dominate my experience. And that is why learning this very simple prayer has helped me stay anchored. And I'm not alone in this, by the way. I'm sure lots of people have trouble focusing in prayer. So another thing that I read last year was this little book called A Simple, Easy Method of Prayer by Madame Jean Guillon, And uh, I'm actually not going to be talking about her technique, but I did want to read a little quote of that book to you because she has a lot to say about methods of prayer. Okay, she says this, It is by prayer alone that we are brought into the presence and maintained in it without interruption. You must then learn a sort of prayer which must be exercised at all times, which does not get in the way of outward employments, and which may be equally practiced by princes, kings, elders, deacons, magistrates, soldiers, children, tradesmen, laborers, women, and sick people. It cannot, therefore, be a prayer of the head, but of the heart." Not a prayer of the understanding alone, which is so limited in its operations that it can only have one object at a time. But the prayer of the heart is not interrupted by the exercises of reason. Indeed, nothing can interrupt this prayer but irregularly and disordered affections. And once we have tasted of God and the sweetness of his love, we shall find it impossible to relish anything but himself. Nothing is so easily obtained as the possession and enjoyment of God, for in Him we live and move and have our being. And He is more desirous to give Himself to us than we could ever be to receive Him. All consists in the manner of seeking Him, and to seek aright is easier and more natural to us than breathing. Though you may think of yourselves ever so stupid, dull, and incapable of sublime attainments. Yet by prayer, you may live in God himself with less difficulty or interruption than you live in the vital air. And so just like this quote talks about, we're going to learn today a prayer of the heart, a prayer that can be employed without interruption. Whether you're a monk living in the forest or a mom raising her kids, living a life of prayer and presence is not out of reach for you. It is actually easier than breathing. So are you ready? We're going to start today by jumping all the way back to the book of Exodus. Just in case you aren't familiar with the story of Moses, I'm going to give you this setup. So the book of Exodus took place thousands of years ago in the Middle East. The Israelites were the chosen people of the God of the Bible, and they were chosen to be a light to the world. So God personally promised this to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But where our story picks up today is the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were slaves in the land of Egypt. And so, our main guy, Moses, was a Hebrew Israelite born into slavery. But through some crazy circumstances, he ended up being raised as a prince by the Pharaoh's daughter. And so, one day, he's out on a walk and he sees the great injustice being done upon his people. On his walk, he witnessed an Egyptian brutally beating a Hebrew slave. And he became so enraged that he killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. This, of course, was super illegal. So Moses fled out to the wilderness of Midian, grew a gnarly beard, and became a smelly shepherd. So if you want to read along with me, I'm going to be starting right at the beginning of Exodus chapter 3. It says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the burning bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He also said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. And so here, Moses is being hired by God to free the Hebrew slaves from the Egyptians. And Moses basically says to God, If I'm going to do this, I need to know who you are, and I need to be able to tell Pharaoh who sent me. So let's skip ahead a bit. They may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. ha <laughs> I know I say this about every passage of the Bible. This has got to be one of my very favorites. So let's just break this down a bit. It's been pointed out by some that back in Moses' day, out in the desert of what what is now Saudi Arabia, lots of bushes caught on fire. A dry bush out in the hot sun bursting into flames wasn't actually all that unusual of a sight. The unusual part is that it wasn't burning. Meaning that Moses would have had to have paused and paid attention long enough to notice. And it says that God saw that Moses turned aside to investigate. And so in our age, where everything seems to be on fire, God is still inviting those who will slow down long enough to find out where he's revealing himself in plain sight. So Moses, who was raised as a pagan Egyptian, had a direct, audible conversation with the mysterious God of his ancestors. And God revealed himself with a name that in English means, I am who I am. But then he tells Moses to introduce him to others as Yahweh, meaning he who is and will be. Most likely in your English Bible, this will be um stylized as capital LORD. This is a stand-in for the for the word Yahweh. Now we pronounce it Yahweh, but in truth, it's unpronounceable. What God actually said were the Hebrew consonant letters Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. In English, it would be the letters Y H W H. And so God sends Moses on a rescue mission. And when Moses asks his name and who he should invoke, God gives him an unpronounceable name. Well, thanks, God. But as I'm sure you can gather, this name is so jam-packed with meaning. You could spend years upon years reading all of the Jewish rabbinic literature about it. But today, we're just going to scratch the surface. So let's break this down to its essence. Yahweh means I am and always will be. I like how the Moffat translation puts it as the eternal one, beyond time itself, the one who does not depend on anything else to exist, but instead contains all of existence within himself. Now, I love this because all of the other ancient gods at this time were fashioned in the image of nature. You got your serpent gods, your cow gods, your moon gods, your star gods, your man gods. Gods were born, had children, went to war, watched soap operas, and even died. But this God is altogether different. By giving the name I am, God is showing that comparing him, it's not like comparing two gods of opposing strength, like my God can beat up your God. No, Yahweh is revealing that he is an endless ocean, and everything else that humanity had ever conceived of as God was a mere sandcastle in the waves. By the way, in the book of John, this is the exact phrase that Jesus utters to the Pharisees when they asked him to identify himself. He said, Before Abraham was, I am. It kind of gives you the idea that maybe, just maybe, Jesus thought of himself as more than a humble, moral teacher. But there's something else really interesting about this name. It's not just the meaning of the name. There's something deeply powerful about the way in which it was delivered. Because when you're dealing with four consonants, what you have is something that isn't pronounceable without causing the sound of a breath. Just try it. Try saying it. You, 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 you. Do you hear that air? Now, some rabbis have taught that the name of God is unpronounceable because it's forbidden to say, as if it's too holy or too good for human lips. But some Jewish sources have theorized that the name of God was designed to be an onomatopoeia for breathing. In other words, The only true way to say the name of this personal, eternal God is to breathe. Richard Rohr put it so eloquently when he said, When considered in this way, God is as suddenly as available and accessible as the very thing we all do constantly. Breathe. Exactly as some teachers of prayer say, stay with the breath, attend to your breath, the same breath that was breathed into Adam's nostrils by this Yahweh, the very breath or spirit that Jesus handed over with trust on the cross and then breathed on us as shalom, forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit all at once. And isn't it wonderful that breath, wind, spirit, and air are precisely nothing and yet everything. I love that. One of the names of God in scripture is the breath of life. Interestingly, the Hebrew word for Holy Spirit is ruach Hakodesh. Ruach means breath or wind. And so I believe God was unleashing an absolutely profound, revelation to Moses, that to breathe isn't simply an automatic, thoughtless bodily function, but to breathe is to say the name of God. It is at once a confession of worship and an act of total dependence. How amazing is it that the name of the God who liberates was already present on the lips of the Pharaoh he was going to confront? It's a name that conveys his ultimate power, yet hidden in something so gentle and quiet. There's another famous passage where a prophet named Elijah had a divine appointment with God. It says a mighty wind came, but the voice of God wasn't in it. And then an earthquake, and then a great fire, but the voice of God wasn't in them either. So finally, he heard the Lord speaking in a still, small voice. Some ancient rabbis have even suggested that the still small voice he heard was the sound of his own breathing, breathing in that holy name of Yahweh. Like Moses, it wasn't until he turned aside in his being that he was able to perceive where God was already hiding in plain sight. What if Elijah wasn't waiting for God, but God was waiting? For Elijah. In the book of Acts, Paul made this monumental statement that in him we live and move and have our being. It means that no matter where we are, what we're going through, or what activity is in front of us, God is as immediately present and accessible as our next breath. It shows us that everything about human life, right down to our automatic functions, is actually tailor-made as a custom fit to commune with God. It shows us again that conversation and engaging our understandings are not the only modes by which we can experience God. But there's a type of knowing that goes even deeper. It needs no language. Think about a newborn baby with her mother. She can't understand or even use language. Yet in the smiling face of her mother, there's an entire world of communication happening. There's no expectations on a nursing baby, no responsibility or burdens. All she has to do is receive, is be, enjoy, and be enjoyed. Now we human beings, we think so highly of ourselves, And it's true, we are amazing creations, but to contemplate this divine name, Yahweh, is to contemplate the fact that we can't even manage to take our next breath apart from His gracious gifting. In the same article, Richard Rohr also points out uh, how amazing it is that our very first action as a baby mirrors our very last action at death, which is to breathe and proclaim the name of God. And so with all of that in mind, I want to introduce you to a very simple method of prayer called the yod Vavhe vav Hey chant. But before we practice this together, some of you might be wondering wait a minute, is that biblical? When talking about mantras or chants or repeated prayers, some believers get spooked. After all, did Jesus not warn us about praying repetitive prayers? Doesn't that sound a little close to Eastern Eastern religion? religion? And I completely understand because initially I had the same hesitations. But firstly, I just want to remind you that Christianity is, in fact, an Eastern, Eastern religion. religion. And although it's, uh, it's definitely distinct in very important ways from its neighbors, there are also some undeniable similarities. There's going to be some overlap. We Westerners have lost touch with our Eastern roots because, again, Western Christianity is almost entirely concerned with the intellect. Um, I, you know, I've even heard some people teach that Christian meditation is simply reading the Bible, but that is such a narrow and misguided view. Let me sum it up this way. Eastern meditation is about emptying the mind to reach a place of quiet. Christian meditation is about focusing and filling the mind with God, right? It's be still and know that I am God. God. And so any techniques that we are talking about here are only to serve that purpose of stilling and focusing ourselves on the reality of God. Eastern meditation tries to shut off the mind and be totally open to the spirit realm. And that is dangerous. But the goal of Christian meditation is to simply allow the intellect to step aside for the benefit of the spirit. The Bible says that when someone speaks in tongues, the mind becomes unfruitful. And that's not a negative statement. It's it's, it's an affirmative one. Paul is actively encouraging that. He says, I wish you all did this. But lastly, let's keep in mind here that when Jesus spoke of repetitive prayers, it was in the context of trying to get God to do something for us, trying to, to be heard, like by thinking that if we pray hard enough or long enough, God will hear us and relent and give us what we ask for. And this is what the pagan prophets were doing on Mount Carmel. It says they cut themselves and chanted and cried out to Baal. Uh, you know, it's also what charismatic ministers do when they try to pray down heaven for six hours. But what I'm talking about here has nothing at all to do with God's attention. It only has to do with keeping my attention. So let's let's not allow the words of Jesus to be twisted. This is not that. So we're going to take a short break and then I'm going to show you and guide you through my favorite busy proof way to pray. All right, everybody, let's practice this together. I want you to follow along. And the beauty of this is that you can do it anytime, anywhere, while you're driving, washing dishes. But the goal here is to develop an internal rhythm. Eventually, it'll become a habit, and you'll find yourself doing this throughout the day. If you ever find that you lose your peace, You simply stop and return to this breath. But for your very first time, I recommend finding a quiet, comfortable place to lay down. Now, if you fall asleep, don't worry about it. I love it when my kids fall asleep on me, and I know that Father God is the same way. Just think of it like taking a nap on his lap. So, here we go. I want you to close your eyes. The name of God is a breath. So let's start with some deep breaths. You'll want to go in through your nose and slowly out of your mouth. we're going to allow our physical body to vibrate with each letter of God's name. So we're gonna breathe in those letters, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. But take your time, breathe in really deep and really slow out like this. can keep doing that and as you do some of you may begin to feel sensations of the presence of God like tingling or heat you might feel like laughing or crying for now don't try to understand this just yet understanding will come But right now, like nursing babies, we are just allowing ourselves to feel God at the deepest level. So when these sensations come, just allow yourself to be thankful for what you're feeling. Keep breathing this. You. going to breathe the Hebrew name of the eternal son of this living God, Yeshua. I want you to consciously think in your mind about how every single one of these next breaths is a gift directly from him. It is grace that allows you to breathe in and grace that allows you to breathe out. Now, as you breathe in through your nose, I want you to breathe through the top of your head. Feel it go through the top of your head and into the center of your brain. And this is allowing the grace of God to wash over your mind. Finally, as you're breathing in through the top of your head into the center of your brain, I want you to ponder the reality of Christ within you. He lives in your innermost being. The word in the Bible is literally your guts. And so I want you to breathe the grace of God in through your nose, into your brain, Out from your guts, out from Christ within you, into the world around you. do that one more time but this time i want you to really really say it out into the atmosphere i want you to just feel the air from these words around you let's lift up the name of yeshua so deep breath yeah. Can open your eyes. (sighs) I love doing that. Now, hopefully, maybe some of you, as you are doing that, were experiencing impressions or visions. Maybe you were feeling brand new sensations. And like I said, my hope for you is that this becomes a practical tool for you to be able to just spend long amounts of time basking in his presence, focusing your mind on his goodness. But also, hopefully, as you do this, it will become a rhythm where you'll find yourself doing it uh, silently, even internally throughout the day. And so if you find that you're at work and you've lost your peace, just remember, just breathe his name, because he truly is as immediately available and accessible as your next breath. Go in peace, everyone. And thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the House of Bliss podcast. If you'd like to support this ministry, it is super easy to do so. All you've got to do is go down and hit the link in the description, visit our Patreon page, and sign up. Any amount of monthly giving is going to unlock all kinds of extras and behind-the-scenes rewards. Another quick and easy way you can support us is you can just give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Each and every one of those goes a long way. I'm praying that God seals everything you heard today in your heart and that you stay rooted and grounded in His everlasting love. Thanks again. God bless. Easter. Easter